Welcome to the Zen of Everything, a Zen take on life, love, laughter, and everything else. With Jundo Cohen, a real Zen master. That's me. And Kirk McElhern, that's me, a guy who knows a bit about Zen. Good morning, Jundo. What's up today? Speaking for myself, Asterisk, that's our subject today, the self. I had a lovely day. My family took my son to the airport. We put him on a plane to the other side of the world. He is going to school in America. We spent a lovely few hours together and then had a little cry at the uh, gate. You know, he's a he's a tough 19-year-old. He didn't cry. But, uh, yeah. Uh, mom, and, mom and dad did a little bit, and we sent him off. But it was a beautiful day. And how about yourself? Well, myself has been very occupied because I bought a new futuristic car that runs on electricity, and getting used to this is a bit complicated. So that gives pleasure to yourself. Well, to be honest, I don't really care about cars. It's more I just want a car that's efficient and also that I'm not burning dead dinosaurs anymore. So there is pleasure from that. And yourself doesn't feel as guilty about the world driving your environmentally more sound asterisk not perfectly sound because of all that goes into the batteries and everything. We all know all about that. But you're helping the planet, by the way. We'll get to that, which is also yourself. But congratulations on your new car. Thank you. Do I get karma points for this? You do. Uh, they didn't have electric cars back in the Buddha's day, but I would say they, they had chariots. Chariots, I guess. You should get yourself a chariot. But then I'd need a steer to pull it along, or a yak or something. Yeah, and I'm not sure how uh, environmentally sound a yak is, but in any case, yes, I guarantee you 20 karma points. Thank uh, you. For your electric car. Thank Congratulations. you. Congratulations. Yes. And our subject today is? The self. But there's no self. No problem, right? Right, that's it. The self, but there is no self. No self, no problem. Like the song goes, more money, more problems. This is... Less self, less problems. I was thinking more Bob Marley's No Woman, No Cry, but we can go either way. That works too. Any uh, song about uh, the universe that you can throw yourself in and experience. You know, we've all had times, I listen to Bob Marley sometimes, and we've had times where literally I'm swept into the music, classical music, jazz, any music, whatever you like. ACDC, I, I was just listening to... Uh, uh, Ozzy Osbourne, man, I got swept into Paranoid. That's a great song, you know. You lose yourself. That is a little hint of the experience we are speaking of. Have you ever lost yourself in a good way or even in a bad way? Well, see, this comes back to what we talked about some episodes ago when Dogen talks about dropping away body and mind when sitting zazen. And it's true that when you're listening to music, you can become so one with the music that you drop away your body and mind. It's not the same thing as Zazen, but it is a taste of that, isn't it? It is a taste of that, except in, in the case of Zazen, I guess the, the symphony of the universe, the whole music of everything is where we lose ourselves and find ourselves again. 
So, well, isn't every piece of music just one way into that eternal, omnipresent music of the universe? Uh, you know, you've uh, we've spoken about this a few times. Sports can be a runner may lose himself in the motion. Uh, uh, someone who is in love, even. Making love, I think, is a way to lose yourself in the other person. There are many occasions where we lose ourselves, but there's something special about Buddhist practice, which will be our subject today, which is, you've got to ask me here, what is it? What's so special about Buddhist practice? We lose ourselves in this wholeness where there is no suffering, where there is no other than the self to have friction. We lose ourselves in that and then come back to this life which sometimes, as our last episode said, is sucky. Dukkha is sucky. Yes, we, we fit yes. the two together. The wholeness where there are no problems and this world of endless problems. Is this kind of like that old cliche of being one with the universe? Yes and no. And uh, boy, we're going to have a lot of asterisks in this show. I got to put the... <laughs> okay. First off, yeah, it is like being one with the universe with a couple of things. Well, first off, the word one is a problem because if you think of it as a name one, that means there's a two, three, four, uh, a not me. This is beyond. And a zero. Yes. This is so beyond the self and separate things that you, you can't stick a name on it. You see, even universe or saying everything or reality, uh, you, you know, you stick a name on it, it becomes a thing separate from you. There's reality and then there's me. You know, so we in Zen, we try to avoid these words to experience the ultimate. But yes, it's it's being one with the universe, kind of. That's exactly what it is. Yeah. Okay, but it it is a cliche and people use it as a cliche, but it is based in true experience. It is. And it was the Buddha's experience, which brings us back to where we last left our hero. Where was our hero when we last left him? Was he... In a chariot on the side of the road being drawn by a yak? No, 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 no. Nor was he in an electric car. He was, as you remember, uh, having gotten up from under his tree, he found his uh, five old buddies, and he said, uh, I got something to teach. And they said, hey, hey, man, what is it? And he uh, started to set it out. And he, as we discussed last week, spoke about dukkha, which is suffering, which is when the world or anything separate is not as you wish. So there's conflict between what you would want and how things are. Or even when you get what you want, you're afraid of losing it, and then it will become what you don't want. So the problem is the self. The self is filled with... Uh, we, I'll teach you another cool Buddhist word. I taught you dukkha. Tanha. 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 Thirsts. Thirst. Desire. Desires. We desire things to be a certain way. Who desires? The self-desire. Therefore, no self, no problem. But I thought there was no self. Well, this is the thing. We are convinced from the time we get up in the morning and are in our bed and then put on our pants and then eat our breakfast and see our spouse and deal with our work, that there is an R, there is a me. We're convinced of it. And you know what? Of course there is. Who's, who else is doing this podcast and who's listening to it? We would have no listeners if there were no uh, us to make the podcast and listeners to listen to it, right? 
Yeah, that makes sense. And even if there was no you, I couldn't be here and seeing you every two weeks when we record. Right. So there is, this is a misunderstanding about Buddhism, that Buddhism says there is no self. We have to lose it completely. Maybe some Buddhists or actually some other Eastern religions tried to do this, lose the self so completely that it never returns. Big mistake. That sounds like Tom Hanks in that movie Castaway. You're lost on an island and there's nothing except the random FedEx packages that wash up. No, no, no. He needed another to be friends with. He, he was still a lonely self who needed a soccer ball to be his friend, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's true. So long as we are alive, we need our self. The trouble is, though, the self is also our enemy. Not like your electric car, which is advanced technology. The human is a, a primitive thing. We are the model T of uh, biological entities because, while we're brilliant, our minds allow us to create, to live, and to feel, we also are our own worst enemy because... Okay, but now let me get this straight. If myself is me and it's real, even though it's not, and myself is my enemy, that sounds like there's an internal conflict. There is an internal conflict, which you will need to discuss with your psychiatrist. The reason we have psychiatrists <laughs> is because of these internal conflicts. It's called neuroses. Neuroses. Right. Your, your self is wonderful. It lets you do things, get up in the morning and, and make your breakfast or, or build a rocket to the moon. We need our desires and our self. But the trouble is the self also has all those other words attached to it, like selfishness, mm. self-centered, self-occupied, self-concerned. All those words, the self also makes conflict with everything it perceives to be not the self, you see. But there's also selflessness and self-awareness. Selflessness, where we pour ourselves into the other and maybe aid the other sentient beings. And what was the other word you said? Self-awareness? Self-awareness. If we are truly self-aware, we realize in Buddhism that there is not a self. <laughs> that is true self-awareness. You see, non-self. What about self-consciousness? Okay, well, you know... Uh, uh, let, let, let's jump ahead with all the self, uh, the, 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 and the selfie. You couldn't take a selfie if you had a phone. There was no one to take it. I mean, we could go on all night with this. But let, let, me, yes. let me just basically explain the issue. We're convinced that we are a rather independent me who is not you, who is not the world, who is not the stars in the sky. There's just me, I was born as a me. I'm worried someday I'm going to die and me is going to disappear. That's not, you know, that's kind of scary. So when we sit zazen or do other similar practices, the sense of self softens, sometimes fully drops away, and we realize, get this, everybody listen, where the whole thing, as Kirk so crudely put it, we are one with the universe, but we are the whole <laughs> thing. Yes. And the whole thing. Now, don't let it go to your head. It doesn't mean you're the, the whole thing is you, like you're God. You are everything. But then again, everything is everything and everything is you. Uh, I, I, I put up a, a picture today of uh, some stars that were taken by the Hubble telescope. 17 light years away. Thousands of stars. And the caption I put on it is, those are you thosing, and you are them 
viewing. They are there expressing you here, and you are here being them here. In other words, everything is a face of everything else. That kind of makes my brain hurt. Your brain should hurt because your brain evolved to think of itself as separate from the tree outside, as separate from the mountain over there, as separate from the other people. Part of our Buddhist practice is to realize not that we're just one, that we are kind of e each other. Um, Kirk is Jundo Kirking, and Jundo is Kirk Jundoing. And I'm also your electric car, Jundoing, and the electric car is Jundo electric car. It's really that simple, guy. It is that simple, actually. Yeah. So if you think about it, the brain has evolved to keep our body alive. Yes. That's its main role. And the self is in there bouncing around, affirming its existence yes. in order to keep the body alive. But there's like another level where once we can get past that, we can drop away the body and the mind, yes. then we find that sort of core infinity. For some reason, nature did not want us to evolve to know primarily our identity with all other things. It, it needed us, I'm saying it, whatever the reason, we evolved to survival for, to seek survival for ourselves. You know, I want to feed myself. I want to mate myself. I'm, I'm an independent or uh, quasi-independent entity. Okay. We also have these experiences, uh, religious, spiritual, including in Zen and Buddhism, where we realize we're more than that. And it's really very similar. We're the whole thing manifesting as me and the whole, but don't let that go to my head, and the whole thing manifesting as you and the whole thing manifesting as the stars 17 light years away, and the whole thing manifesting as a cheeseburger in the drive through at McDonald's. The whole thing manifesting is everything, and we are that. You're just a cheeseburger, Kirk. So if you think about it, nature evolved our brains to mask this understanding of the self and mm -hmm. the awareness of everything. In part because if we were just in this sort of Kensho bliss all the time, we'd just get eaten by saber-toothed tigers. Couldn't function. Couldn't function. I, yeah. I'd say, oh, the tiger is just me, as he bit down yes. and had me for lunch. That would be a, <laughs> that would be a problem. I yeah. think it's also a problem now at our stage of development, shall we say, where we do not realize we are both. I can, I can say, oh, the tiger is me, I am the tiger, and also keep the tiger away. Yeah. I can say the... The rain is me, and I am the rain, but yet open an umbrella. Of course. I can say the coronavirus is me, and I am the virus, but yet get my vaccination. We can do all these right. things. But we're at a stage in our development now. If we don't realize that we are this planet, if we don't realize we're the whole universe, I think we're missing out on one face of who we really are. Mm. And so it's this idea of the relative of how we live every day in the absolute that through Zazen, we can get a glimpse of. And the more we get glimpses, the more we inherently understand. This isn't something that you can learn from listening to a podcast or reading a book. This is something you experience little by little, and slowly it just kind of seeps into your mind, right? I, I, I think it's a, we do practices to let us taste this, but it's more than little by little. It really gets into the bones. 
really gets into the bones so that when I said that this is really the, will solve all your problems, you can live in this world of problems and yet have some sense in your bones that there is no problem, it's okay, that there's nothing to fight for, nothing to lose, that even death and, and, and birth are, are not the, the end of it all, because you are the whole thing, you know? We, we can have that. But you still have to run from the tiger. And pay your taxes. Yeah, you, got, yes. you still got it. I went to the IRS one time. I said, I don't need to pay, declare income because I'm not a self. And they said, They're very good. We're auditing <laughs> your not self. You know? Yeah, of course, you got to pay your taxes. Okay, so is this self-permanent? Because some strains of Buddhism have this idea of reincarnation. Tibetan Buddhism is a wonderful example where when the Dalai Lama dies, they look for these signs to find the new one in a young child as if the self transmigrates into another human, as if the self lasts forever and is permanent. I'm glad you brought that up, because uh, another subject we were going to cover today, which is not worth a whole episode, we thought, we, we thought we'd just stick it in here in the part of the episode, is that impermanence is also one of the Buddha's teachings under the tree that he discovered and taught to his five friends. Impermanence. So, Impermanence can be suffering because all things change, and we don't want them to change. I, I was sad when I put my son on the airplane today. Life has changed. He's getting older. He's not the little kid I bounced on my knee a couple of years ago. All things are changed. I'm getting older, even though I look good for my age, but I mean, I'm getting older. So the Buddhist point was, if you lose the self's clutching to time, you flow with the change. You flow with the timelessness. But is it all infinite? Is it all, shall we say, uh, eternal? We can't really know. The Buddha sidestepped that question. The Buddha sidestepped the question, didn't care. I happen to feel that the answer to this has to be something beyond either eternal or not eternal. There's some aspect to reality. You know, it's like the physicists talk about this. You know, what, what, there was the Big Bang. What? came before the Big Bang? And what came before that? God. What came before God? You know? There was another Big Bang before the Big Bang, and there'll be another one after, and there'll be Big Bangs forever. And was that an infinite series? The answer must be something that our little brains cannot get around any more than an ant can figure out an Apple computer. Yeah. Okay? It's a, but that doesn't matter. The Buddha said, right here, right now, where we stand, things are changing and flowing. And if you become the flow, not only go with the flow, if you become the flow, there's no dukkha, there's no suffering, because you are the flow. If life flows left and you flow left, no suffering. If life flows right and you are the flow, no suffering. So we clutch at time, but if you allow and become the timelessness, no problem. So if life gives you lemons, you make lemonade. And if life gives you limes, you make margaritas. Uh, in moderation. Yes. All things in moderation. Of course. But, well, there's a little more. Uh, this would say you are the lemons, you are the lime. And the limes are just the lemons liming. And the limes are just the lemons lemoning. You put the lime in the coconut. In the coconut. Oh, I'm <laughs> singing. You told me not to sing. Sorry. We'll get copyright violation Sorry. for that. No, we're yeah. okay. I'm witnessing some very interesting impermanence this year. We have a very bad heat wave in the UK, and all around me, the grass is dried out, the fields are all brown. It's a very, very serious drought. And that does remind us 
of, in this case, it's a cyclical change because every year it dries out a little bit and then it rains and it gets green. And I think appreciating these cycles of the day of the year and the broader cycles of drought and excess rain, this gives us an idea of how things change. This reminds us that it's like a circle that's always going around. You know, you think of an ENSO and you notice that most ENSOs are not closed at the bottom, but they're indicating that kind of movement. But the ENSO keeps continuing and it just, the wheel keeps turning. ENSO is the big circle that uh, a Zen master uh, draws. It's that idea of circularity, of the eternal return, of that things always keep happening and changing. It's as the sun goes up, it peaks, and then it starts going down again. And everything is like that. But this is, again, where we live from both sides. Even though we allow and are the flow, and where the flow goes, it's okay. Even if that flow is right into global warming and the end of the human race, we just flow it. Even though that's true, there is no self to fear uh, any loss. So how could we fear the loss of the human race? And our yes, yes, part of us is beyond all that. Even then, let's save this planet. Yes, because we risk becoming complacent if we just say it doesn't matter and everything's going to change. And that's the that's the lazy way, isn't it? Real enlightenment is to live from both sides. That there is a self, and yet there is not a self because. Not an independent self. We are all things. Know all faces of yourself. What's the Zen thing about you want to discover your original face before your parents were born? Uh, uh, actually, yes. Actually, yes. You want to know your original face before your parents were born because this is this wholeness, which is, how to say, underlying all birth and death. Exactly. Right. So before you were even an idea, what is there of you in that wholeness with the world and the universe? That makes my brain hurt too. There's a wonderful, there's a wonderful koan which says, you know, scientists speak of the uh, cold ending of the universe, and and Buddhists tend to say, say there was a debate: is it going to be a hot ending, a cold ending? But it's going to end someday. So there's a koan that has two answers. Someone said. When the universe has that cold ending, is this, referring to this whatever that's underlying, is it going to disappear? And one answer is no. And the other answer is yes. Because you see, yourself, your separate self in this whole world of things is this wholeness. And this wholeness are all these separate things. And when all this universe of of stars, 17 light years away, and cheeseburgers and electric cars and Kirk and Jundo are long gone, it's going to vanish because we are it and it is us. So when we vanish, it vanishes. And yet, there's something that will never vanish. And that is? Sit Zazen and find out for yourself. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe in iTunes or in your favorite podcast app. Please give us a rating. Tell your friends. You can check out past episodes at our website, zen-of-everything.com. Thanks for listening.